0: This is Reset. I'm Sasha Ann Simons. Three-year-old Mateo Zastro loved dinosaurs. He was in the car with his mom and brother Friday when a road rage incident broke out in Chicago's West Lawn neighborhood. Another driver opened fire on the car and a stray bullet hit Mateo in the head. He died in the hospital Saturday morning. According to an analysis by the Chicago Sun-Times, 286 minors have been shot in this city this year, 43 of them fatally. This past weekend, another child, a seven year old boy, was shot in Roseland while on his way to church. So, what is going, what's it going to take to keep these kids safe? Joining us now with her thoughts is Tamar Manassa, an anti violence expert and the founder of MASK, Mothers and Men Against Senseless Killings. Tamar, welcome back to Reset.
1: Hi, thank you for having
0: me. I'm sorry that you, you keep coming on under these sad circumstances. I wonder how you're reacting this morning. You know, hearing the news as a mom yourself?
1: You know, I want to say, um, I'm sending my thoughts and my prayers to little Mateo's family, Mm -hmm. but they don't want that. They don't want to hear that. That's not going to bring him back. Um, it's not going to bring back any of the kids that, that we've lost. That's all we ever hear is thoughts and prayers. No, we need results. Those parents want results. They want something to happen. They want some sort of change. They want their other kids to be protected, the other children in that car to be protected. And, it's like how do we give them that right how do we give them that i would take i would take solutions over thoughts and prayers any day and yeah. it's like right now i feel like no there's nothing i can say because i've said everything before because how many times have we been through this in chicago
0: too many we we laid out those numbers in the, in the intro so what message then Tamar, do you think young kids need to hear especially When they're hearing all this news and they're scared.
1: They're terrified. You have little kids who are really afraid of these very grown-up things. And you have to find a way to tell them, you know, you're, you're trying to reassure them that they don't have to be afraid. They're going to be okay. But they think you're lying because they've heard of kids getting shot. And we can't protect them. They believe we can't protect them anymore. And to tell you the truth, I honestly feel like we can't protect them. I feel like Cliff and Claire Huxtable couldn't keep Theo and Vanessa alive in Chicago right now. Mm. And it is It is just one of those things. It is, you know, you can do um, whatever it is that you can do, but this still happens. It's just too many guns in the city.
0: That's frightening. Andrew Holmes, who's a community activist, as well as Father Michael Flager, they're putting together a $7,000 reward for any information that will help police catch the shooter in that uh, fatal shooting in West Lawn. Can you tell us more about the ways that anti-violence activists can respond to to these types of incidents? You know,
1: I'd love to see them have luck with that, with actually catching the shooter with a $7,000 reward. When those two moms were shot on our corner, we had a, a reward that was four times that and we couldn't even get a tip line from CPD. People couldn't even call in wow. and give tips, even though people were talking about it, and everybody knew who did it. For all of that money, people were coming forward, but nobody was listening. So I mm. really love that the reaction this time and the participation this time from CPD is a bit different, that it's existing. I hope that it even happens.
0: Well, police are vowing to find the killer. Here is police commander Brian Sprainy. Our vow?
1: to the child's family, and to the entire city, as we will not rest until those responsible for this senseless and cowardly act of violence are brought to justice. To those responsible for taking this precious child's life, do the right thing, the honorable thing, and turn yourselves in.
0: So, so what are your thoughts on this vow from police
1: that is so great that they're making a vow. And I really hope they can keep it. This family deserves justice. Little Mateo deserves justice. Yeah. But I don't necessarily know if I see it happening. Because here's the thing. You don't necessarily know who the shooter was now. Because the, Chicago has felt so unsafe for so long for so many people. Even the good guys have guns now. And sometimes guns can really embolden people. And whereas before it could have just been an argument in traffic, sometimes when you have a legal gun, you have concealed carry, we're seeing more and more incidents of people who actually have legal guns and have concealed carry who are actually shooting people for Mm -hmm. trying to steal their cars, Mm -hmm. shooting people for – that's what they're doing. And we don't necessarily know. We don't know what kind of person it was that that actually, you know, participated that shot this kid. We don't know if it was a bad guy with a gun or a good guy with a gun. mm -hmm. We don't know.
0: So, your, your reluctance, Tamar, to, to believe that, um, the shooter will be found in this case, it, do you think it's an, an issue of people coming forward? Because I want to be clear in, in talking about that reward earlier. I mean, these are individuals that are gathering thousands of dollars to yeah. try to get folks to come forward. So, you, is that a good sign that people are, you really pitching
1: want to see something, say something to work? Yeah. You want that to work. But I've seen it not work like that way too many times to believe in it anymore. I mean, I've seen over and over again where people do have information for police, but for some reason, they don't make the arrest. I don't know why. I don't know why that happens. I I personally have thought something and said something. Didn't work out. Mm. 15 people got shot after that. So I don't necessarily know if the problem is people coming forward. I think it is people that do come forward. I just don't know what happens after they come forward.
0: And when you say that when you did it, it didn't work out, what does that mean? Was there no arrest? No,
1: the shooting that happened at the funeral home two years ago, two summers ago when 15 people were shot at a funeral, the police were made aware that that was going to happen before the funeral because I told them it was. And yet no one was there. There were no police there. There was no protection there. And exactly what I told them was going to happen, happened. And how did I know it was going to happen? Because I heard people talking about it. It was neighborhood intelligence. Everybody knew it. And when that was reported to the police, nothing happened. They did nothing about it if 15 people were shot. Yeah. And it's other times when people come forward and say, oh, I know who did the shooting. I know, who, I know who did it. And nothing happened. So I really hope that, I mean, and this child, this is a brown child, black or brown kids, it normally doesn't work out like that, where, okay, we're going to find the killer. I'm sorry, that's just the city we live in. It doesn't normally work that way. Mm-hmm. But while we're talking about... You know, the violence, I I talk about this. I've been talking about this for years over and over and over again, right? And I feel like we really have to do politics differently in Chicago. You know, there are a lot of people jumping into this mayoral race. Let's hear, call them today and ask them what their plan is right now. I don't want to know what your plan is in January. I want to know what it is now. That might be the thing that helps you get elected mayor. I need to have a mayor that actually has a solution, a real solution. We don't want to be um, frightened so much into voting for somebody because they say, hey, we're going to hire more police or, you know, stuff like that, because that doesn't work. I need to hear some real, actual solutions. Or what is the mayor supposed to do? What is the job? What more pressing issue does Chicago have right now than the violence? Hmm.
0: So... As we talk about solutions, your your group, right, Mothers and Men mm-hmm. Against Senseless Killings, you find ways to prevent violence that don't involve police. So for yeah, the- we
1: can't. You have to work around it. You have to find a yeah. way. There are ways that the community definitely can can prevent violence. It is about uh, being present and being there and seeing things and knowing things and knowing your neighbors. It's very important to know the people around you and for them to know you. It's very important. It's very important to create situations where people can come together, I mean, just casually and be safe for dinner, for karaoke, for other just small neighborhood activities, just so we know each other.
0: You you talked a moment ago about people announcing their candidacy for mayor right, in in the next election. Give us some more detail on anti-violence strategies that you want to see from them.
1: I'd like to see. Honestly, I'd like to see there be a stronger relationship between CAPS and the community, that there be some sort of community police and initiative that gives people in neighborhoods, in poor black and brown neighborhoods, an incentive, a paid incentive to actually do what we do, to be on the street, to see things. And if the crime goes down, you get paid more. If it goes up, you don't get paid, or you get paid less. Mm-hmm. So it's a shame that we have to incentivize the safety in our communities, but it's worth it. There's a lot of unemployment. There are a lot of people that don't have jobs. What better way to, I mean, help boost our economy and make our streets safer than, hey, you give parents stipends to actually watch out, keep eyes on the neighborhood. Mm -hmm. You give them a stipend to tell their kid if their kid is involved in a gang or involved in the violence in any way to say, you know what? You can't be involved in this anymore because this is how I pay our rent. And if you're out here making the neighborhood unsafe, then I don't get paid. Mm-hmm. We have to try everything at our disposal and we just haven't done that yet.
0: That is very interesting. But you know what scares me, Tamar, this this was a road rage incident in, in the case of Little Mateo, right? Are there violence prevention strategies for something as random as that?
1: No, I don't I think it's the violence prevention um strategy would be for whoever shot the kids and not had have, have had a gun in the first place. There are so many people that have guns now because they feel unsafe, because they're doing the job of the police. We're policing ourselves now. When you hear about people shooting kids over stolen cars, over trying to steal a car, breaking into a car, we have a problem. We're turning into a bunch of vigilantes. (laughs) And the people who we were afraid of are the people that we're becoming because we have guns. Because there's so many of them now. So now, no, you can't get into a road rage, uh, any any kind of road rage incident, Mm -hmm. because you might get shot. You might, because the other motorists, you might have a gun. The other motorists might have a gun. The one in front of you and behind you, they probably have a gun. So many people have guns. They're going to have more random, random issues like this.
0: Yeah, no, I've definitely thought twice, you know, in just normal interactions with, with people Outside, where you know, I'm like, okay, well, let's not let this get heated because I have no idea what she's got on her yeah, or what he's got. Exactly. I'm like, let me just it, it's mind my like business. That
1: everywhere now, yeah. because all the good guys got guns, the good guys have so many guns, we can't tell the difference between the good guys exactly. and the bad guys.
0: Yeah. Have you, in your work, have you had any conversations with people who maybe they were close to committing acts of violence or they did commit them? I want to hear what those conversations are like.
1: Um, you know, Yom Kippur is um, the 4th and the 5th. And on the 5th, we will be doing a remembrance service, a yes course service on the corner. Okay. Last year, we lit 800 candles for every life that was lost between. Um, Yom Kippur the previous year, last year. This year, it's almost 600 candles. And the thing that we do in this service is people from the neighborhood come. And, you know, they in a neighborhood where people have experienced so much loss, something like a remembrance service is a good thing. It's really cathartic. It's very therapeutic for them. Even though they are Jewish, they don't have to be. Mm -hmm. And the idea, I talk about the idea of forgiveness. So even if you've taken a life, you can still be forgiven for that if you atone for it. You have to atone for it. And the conversations that I've had around that, it's kind of like, you know, I think if people feel like there's still room for redemption, then, you know, it changes the kind of person they are. But if you just feel like, no, this is all you're ever going to be and this is all you can ever be, then there's no reason to, you know, to change. And even though it's something religious and everybody that's, you know, to each his own, yeah. just introducing the idea of I forgive you. It's, you get forgiven. I, you know, yeah. people, we don't know how we force people to survive in this city.
0: And this is part of your work as a rabbi.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. And I mean, there are some people who rob and steal just to get a meal who are robbing still just to have a bed to sleep in at mm. night at some, you know, roach motel somewhere. So all of these crimes aren't like, you know, it, it doesn't all come from a place of I just want what you have. It comes from a place that I have nothing and I just need a little something. And instead, I'd rather you just ask me for the help. You don't have to take it. I'll give it to you.
0: Well, can you give me a little something right now? Because there's a lot of sad news out there and, and I want to know what's giving you hope.
1: Um, What gives me hope is, you know, I have a kid from the block who is now on house arrest. And just today I wrote a letter to the judge for him to come to Yom Kippur service because he didn't want to miss it because he said, I feel like I need it. I feel like that makes me a better person. Yeah. to get that off my chest, being able to think about it, being able to talk about it, being able to talk about what my life is and what I do to survive and, you know, how afraid I am out here every day and being in a space where I can do that and not just I can do it. It's expected. Yeah. It's it's I I need to be able to do that. And I mean, I don't I can't imagine any other Jew ever having to write a letter to a judge to get somebody movement for Yom Kippur. But I did that. And that felt good that you want to change, that you find you found something that that helps you change, helps you feel differently. That meant everything to me. We'll
0: leave it there for now. Tamar Manasseh is the founder and president of Mothers and Men Against Senseless Killings. Thank you so much.
1: Thank you.